Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah chapter 40. I got to believe there's a few people here today who would kind of take off the mask, (laughs) has new meaning today, right? Who would be a little real, just so that you know if you're a first-time guest with Vintage Church, uh, this is a real church for real people. Um, It's okay to not be okay here. But if we were to be honest with ourselves, let's just think back one week. Just think back to this past week. What's been going on in your life? Um, I got to believe that there's maybe one or two of us that are a little weary. That are a little faint. That are a little tired. I got to believe that that's true. That worshiping with us online right now, there's someone who is saying, I just don't know if I can keep pressing on. I know Pastor Rob, you gave us a great sermon last week, and you challenged us to dig deep, right? But it didn't quite work that way for me this past week. I tried my hardest, and I just fell way short. I ran out of gas. Some unexpected things hit me. Um, I also got to believe that there are some people here, and, and maybe it's not tragedy in your life, maybe it's not hurt, maybe it's not pain, um, but you're tired of waiting upon the Lord. So life is pretty chill. There's no highs, there's no lows going, but you're just kind of cruising, and you've been Seeking out the Lord on some things over even this past week, but maybe over the last year. And and you've been asking for the Lord to provide certain things or to fulfill different dreams in your heart. And in this season of waiting right now, you find yourself weary. It's kind of funny what turning 40 does to you. I turned 40 two weekends ago. And... uh, You start thinking about stuff. (laughs) Um, My kids are real friendly to me. 
we got in the car, and last week on the way to church, um, they basically told me um, that I pretty much am going to die by 80, and that I better not waste these next 40 years. They were putting everything into perspective in my life, helping me understand how old I was and how old most people are, and, and there's not a whole lot going on left for you there, Dad, so don't waste it. Get on it, which I'm still trying to figure out. Are they disappointed with what I am in this life? I didn't know I had to perform for my twin boys, but that's Mac and Burke for you. Kind of like that they're driven like that. They get that from their mama. Um, but when I turned 40, I mean, it's like there's so many things that when I think back to when I turned 30 and when I turned 20 and when I was a teenager and, and I go back to the, the journals that I wrote and, and the dreams that I had and, and, I, and I start to think back and I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not like at a bad place. I'm really thankful for a lot that God has brought to me in my life, but I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big dreamer, and uh, there's quite a few of those dreams that have not come true. So I'm in a season of waiting. Isaiah chapter 40 points us to God first and shows us that God is the creator of the ends of the earth. He never faints nor grows weary. Isn't that amazing? So here today, please don't put your trust in anything that I'm going to say here. We're putting our trust in God, for he is all-powerful. I love the description. His understanding is unsearchable. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. And what he promises us in Isaiah chapter 40 is that if we are hurting, if we are weary, if we are growing tired, if we would wait upon him, he shall renew our strength. He will mount us up with wings like eagles. He will equip us and empower us to run and not grow weary. So today I want to preach a timely message, mainly for me. I hope you guys get a little something out of it. I came here to preach to me. So y'all just watch me have a little preaching moment to me, and I hope y'all get something out of it. But I'm going to preach a very timely message to me today, worth the wait. Worth the wait. Let's reread Psalm 130. We've been going through the Psalms of Ascent together. We started this journey in Psalm 120. We're in Psalm 130 together. This is the word of the Lord. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But... <laughs> This is a great transition. This is what we found out in the earlier part of that text in Isaiah 40. But with you there is forgiveness 
that you may be feared. So with that conclusion, it's like the psalmist just shifts gears. No more, ah, I need help. No, I know that there's purpose here. I know that God's in control here. I know that as crazy as the world is going on right now, God has never hit the panic button here. And so I am resolved in this moment in recognition of how great God is to do what? Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. Isn't that good? This isn't superficial waiting. This isn't just like chilling, waiting for your car to get your oil changed type of waiting. This is deep-rooted soul waiting. I'm not just going to be there in person physically. I'm going to be there emotionally, spiritually. I'm not waiting just casually. I'm waiting, digging deeper in this waiting, spiritually, emotionally, from my soul. That wasn't even in my notes. I'm, I, I'm just telling you, that's just flow right there. I haven't really even started preaching, so I hope you're ready. And in his word, I hope. Once again, this is not my notes. I hope I can get to my sermon outline today. Stop reading and following the ways of the world. There's no hope there. Y'all do understand, most of the world's solution for this season of weariness It's not going to help you. It's temporary. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a broken arm. Looks okay. Not fixing anything. What should we hope in? The word of the Lord. One quick way you'll survive tomorrow if you're still in this season of waiting. Roll out of bed. Don't open up Facebook. Open up the word of God. Just try that. Just start there. I just, I I really trust what God's word says for you. Like, please, just get off the headline for the day, the news reel. No hope there. Your stocks, no hope there. Roll out of bed, open up the word of God, and let's just see what that does for your weariness. All right, remember I'm preaching to myself. Too much Facebook watching in the morning. Verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. I love, I don't know if you've caught this with the Psalms of Ascent, I love how the Psalms of Ascent, remember this is the people of Israel climbing up to Jerusalem to worship God. There's never ever a time where one of these Psalms tells us to stay by ourselves with Jesus. You cannot fully experience Jesus without the community of Jesus. 
You just can't. And so even in this cry out, remember there's a lot of personal crying out here, but what happens? It becomes communal. Here's a, a cry out, my entire nation, my entire people, my entire household, my entire city waits for you. Hope in the Lord, O Israel. For with the Lord, <laughs> this is why we wait for him. It's the grand finale of Psalm 130 here. There's three things we're going to find. For with the Lord there is steadfast love because of the hope. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Um, earlier in our series, uh, Pastor Jake got up and he preached a message. And this message was, turn your what if into a why not. <laughs> so a lot of us are kind of enslaved by fear. And we're like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Pastor Jake came and he preached out of the Psalms of Ascent and he challenged us, stop doing that. In Christ Jesus, we don't need to be fearful, right? We can turn our what if moments into a why not? Why not? Let's dream big. Man, we got Jesus in our corner. Let's do it. Well, I want to kind of continue that focus by sharing something with you. I want us today to turn our how long into a longing for how long? I want us to turn our, how long, oh Lord? When are you going to answer, Lord? Into an actual longing for those moments where you have to say, how long, oh Lord? Because what I want to prove to you here in this text is that there is so much beauty in waiting upon the Lord. So much beauty. There's going to be three reasons for waiting in this text. Let me kind of summarize them. And then we're going to go in and actually pull out verse by verse incredible gifts from God in these seasons of waiting. Number one, I want you to know that there is presence. And shout out to Brian, our ministries director, as I process some of these points. I love the guy because I'm slowly making a disciple here of alliteration. And so he helped me with these three words here. You're going to find out that they're alliterated. I believe alliterations anointed by God. Plus, I'm not that smart. I can't remember things if we don't alliterate things. So the first thing we see here is the presence of God. Sometimes God gives us a season of waiting, right, because he wants us to seek him. He wants us to be with him. And a lot of times, much like kids, when they get a present, they say thank you, and then they leave you. God doesn't give you the present because you're still saying, can I? Will you? I need you. Will you answer? And he's sitting here going, oh, I like this. I think I'm going to hold off on this blessing because actually my goal in life is to get my child to seek me with all their heart. And I just know that once I hand this blessing over to them, poof. Like my kids after Christmas. I don't see them. They take their toys and they run. Sometimes God's not going to hand you that blessing because he wants you to keep seeking him. You with me? So there's a season of waiting for presence. Brian, help me see here in this text. Do you know that Lord, oh Lord, is used eight times in this text? 
So here's the people of Israel. Wow, Lord, out of the depths of my heart, I cry for mercy, all this stuff. And, and in the prayer is one of the reasons for the season of waiting. Eight times, O oh Lord, our Lord, O oh Lord, our Lord, O oh Lord, our Lord, O oh Lord, our Lord. God's up in heaven saying, yes, 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 yes. I'll just keep you right here. Presence. Number two, perseverance. Perseverance. Um, you hear a cry out for mercy here, right? Um, you even hear a reality in the psalm of, man, the Lord's the only one to forgive my iniquities. If he did count all my iniquities against me, man, I should be obliterated. There's no way I should be given anything. And so in this season of waiting, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I wait upon the Lord, I'm reminded of my sin, which is a good thing because I confess my sin to the Lord. I ask for the Lord to help me overcome my sin, which is all about growth in my life and becoming more like God in my life. And I don't want to just fly over pain in my life. I don't want to just fly over an opportunity for progress in my life. No, God wants me to keep me in this moment where I'm thinking and I'm processing the ways that I've walked on this earth that have not been glorifying to him. And God keeps me there so that I might repent and experience the goodness and grace and mercy of the Lord. We all have sin in the house. Just to ease anybody who's maybe given church a try for the first time online or in the house, raise your hand if you're a sinner in the house. Any sinners? All right, so... I don't want, just because there's a common denominator of sin here in the house, I don't want to become casual with sin. Because I know it grieves the Lord. I want to process it. I want to learn from it. I want to repent of it. And then I want to walk in the ways of the Lord. Y'all with me? Sometimes the waiting on the Lord. I hate to tell you, I don't... When I discipline my kids, I let it soak for a little. It's not some money exchange. Consequence, daddy, you get this. I get to do whatever I want to next. No, son, you are going to think about this for a while. Notice I said, son, my daughter's perfect. My three sons, not. I've yet to discipline her. Y'all with me? This is a reason for a season of waiting. Perseverance. All right, number three, purpose. Purpose. I want to wait upon the Lord. And at the end of the day, I've preached this to you before. In the book of Acts, after Jesus ascended into heaven, what did he tell his disciples to do? Go have fun, do whatever you want to, figure this thing out on your own. No, he called them to wait. He sent those followers to pray. To wait. And then when the Holy Spirit spoke, they moved. Half of our goal in life, guys, is to listen to Jesus and do what he says. And so if you have a desire in life to truly listen to Jesus and do what he says with your life, you have to embrace seasons of wait. Seasons of wait. All right, I want you to listen to this statement. When God places you 
in a season of waiting. It's never a waste. When God places you in a season of waiting, it's never a waste. It's a season of wonder. All right, I got a confession. Uh, over the COVID season, I got a little antsy. Uh, I've not been diagnosed with ADD or anything like that, but I think I got it. And I just got bored with the routine and being home and all that. And I started to really challenge myself. Okay, I need a new hobby. I've got to do something different. And uh, your two pastors, me and Pastor Jake, we were invited to go to Montana. And we went on a little fly fishing type of trip. And we go to the Bighorn River and we have all this fun fly fishing. And I'm just telling you, um, fishing for the most of my life, like both of my grandfathers, fishermen from South Africa, my dad, big time fisherman, I've hated fishing. For most of my life, anytime I've gone fishing, it's been sitting. And I don't believe sitting is a sport. And so I just have not seen much action. But when I went fly fishing, fly fishing is so busy. And even if you're not hooking any fish, I just feel like I'm doing something. So I really got into it. And when I came back from Montana all last fall, I just kept saying to Jake, Jake, I think this is it. This is going to be my 40th kind of, you know, resolve and new uh, ambition in my life, new hobby, a.k.a. my wife calls midlife crisis, whatever it is. I just feel like this is something that we need to do together. And so Jake and I saved up a bunch of money together. We got ourselves some gear, and we hit the streams of Pennsylvania. There's a little problem with that. In Montana, we had a professional guide. In Pennsylvania, I had YouTube. And I'm not joking. The first three times that Jake and I went out on the water, I mean, we looked the part. I'm just telling you. If y'all know anything about Pastor Jake, he's always going to look the part. We looked the part. I mean, we looked like professionals. But praise the Lord, it was too cold for anybody else to try fly fishing, even when we went out. Not even fly fishermen went out. And we did that on purpose because we didn't want anybody to see us. It was the most ridiculously embarrassing activity you've ever seen two grown men ever try to accomplish in their life. The amount of trees I hooked, the amount of flies I lost... Um, I, I've got a picture for you because this is the only thing that I could brag about was our gear. Look at this picture of me and Jake uh, behind on the screen. There's me and Jake. Do, do you notice something in the picture? There's no fish. So all we were doing as we were going out and hitting the streams was taking some good selfies. And my wife kept reminding me, hey, great pictures of fishing I think you just went out for a hike and you're looking at the water because I don't see any fish. Three straight times we went out. I mean, five, six, seven hours at a time, spent way too much money on lost flies, no fish. And then the fourth time happened. Now I'm going to let you know, we brought someone that knows what they're doing. And I observed this person and this person gave me some instruction and taught me a few things and you'd never guess what happened the fourth time we went out fishing. Check out your pastor with a fish. <laughs> it happened. I caught a fish. Way smaller than the fish of the guy that took us out. But nonetheless, and I just want you to know, this is my fish. I let him hold it, but check out a picture of Jake. 
uh, real quick. That's, that's, I, I let him, that's my fish. Don't let him tell you any different. I said on the he's caught a fish. I let him hold my fish. Uh, but can I just let you know, there is wonder in waiting. And my wife would even ask me after these three specific days where we caught no fish, why? What are you doing? And I started to like pull back and I was like, man, it was so beautiful out there. Man, just listening to the stream. Man, it was kind of funny watching Jake. He's really bad. Man, you know, there was that one moment where Jake and I were, were trying to figure out how to do a surgeon's knot, double surgeon's knot, tying on our woolly bugger, learning all these terms. And as we're tying on our woolly buggers, me and Jake, we started to really talk about life. Man, he admitted some things that he was struggling with. I admitted some things that I was struggling with. And on the river, didn't catch much fish, but, man, we prayed together. I, I want us to recognize some things here in the text that I know to be true as amazing reasons for your waiting. And there's no such thing when God ordains it. If he ordains a season of waiting in your life, I promise you it's not a waste. It's a season of wonder. Look in the text. In the wonder of waiting, first of all, we do find pain. We do find pain. In Psalm 130, verse 1, it says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. This out of the depths I cry to you speaks to the pain of our lives in the seasons of waiting. Listen to what Eugene Peterson says. The gospel offers a different view of suffering. In suffering, we enter the depths. We are at the heart of things. We are near to where Christ was on the cross. The depth is simply the height inverted as sin is the index of the moral grandeur. The cry is not only truly human but divine as well. God is deeper than the deepest depth in man. He is holier than our deepest sin is deep. There is no depth so deep to us as when God reveals his holiness in dealing with our sin. And so think more of the depth of God than the depth of our cry. The worst thing that can happen to a man is to have no God to cry to to out of the depth. And I don't know about you, but sometimes God has used pain and suffering in my life to draw me closer to him. And I love that in this psalm, he doesn't church this. He gets real with this. Oh, I don't know if I start crying out that I'm in pain, that I'm struggling, that I'm suffering. People are going to think I'm Christian enough. People aren't going to think I'm worthy enough. Aren't y'all thankful that God says, come to me just as you are? Cry out in pain. For that's where I am. That's where you can find wonder. Number two, there's prayer. The wonder of waiting, there's prayer. Notice in verse 2, in the pain, out of the depths I cry to you. 
there is this, oh Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And I've told you guys this before. You never bug God. He longs for you to cry out to him, to reach out to him, to pray to him. And I truly believe over and over God has continuously put me in seasons of waiting so that I would pray more. If COVID's done anything to me in my life and, you know, kind of there's been a COVID cleanse of even our church. Who knows where people are? We've been all over the place. I mean, everybody's disappearing. God has brought me on my knees in prayer in this season more than any other time in my life. Prayer. It's a beautiful reason why there is weight. Forgiveness is in this text. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. In verse 3 and verse 4, it says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? My sin is great. But... With you, in verse 4, there is forgiveness so that you may be feared. My friends, God knows our sin. He counts our sin. Our sin has consequences. But who's thankful in this room to be reminded in this season of waiting that verse 4 says, but with you, there is is forgiveness. Can, can we just thank God right now for forgiveness? Can we just <laughs> praise God right now for forgiveness? I, I don't want to overlook that. I, I don't. In this season of waiting, I reflect on my sin, and then I reflect on the power of Christ over my sin. Man, it leads me to worship. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness so that you may be feared. In a season of waiting, there is wonder and there is confidence. There is confidence. Um, check out verse 5 and verse 6 of Psalm 130. It says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. There's a shift in this psalm, as I shared with you, to confidence. There's no more, oh, help me, oh, I can't believe it, oh, God, when are you going to answer me? No, it's like, oh, snap, God's doing some great things right now. I will wait, and I'll be content in this season of waiting, because, man, God is so rich right now as I wait. Eugene Peterson says this, wait and watch add up to hope. And so in looking at the end of this psalm, we see three incredible things. We next find hope in the first part of verse 7. And notice this hope is not just for us individually, it's for everyone that follows God. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. <clears throat> I love what Eugene Peterson said about this. The psalmist and the Christian's way of waiting and watching, that is, hoping, is based on the conviction that God is actively involved in his creation and vigorously at work in redemption. Hoping does not mean doing nothing. 
And hoping is not dreaming. It is not spinning an illusion or fantasy to protect us from our boredom or our pain. It means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. It is imagination put in the harness of faith. It is a willingness to let God do it his way and in his time. That's hope. When we have seasons of waiting, God is building up hope. He's also building up love. Check out verse 7. In the second part of verse 7, it says, For with the Lord there is steadfast love. Steadfast love. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind, does not envy, does not boast, not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, not irritable, resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I just want you to know that one of the reasons why God's maybe got you in this season of waiting is because he wants this to be a season of his agape love. That's far greater than anything in this world. He's helping you to see that he is all that you need. Which brings us to the last point as we close today, redemption. And as Psalm 130 closes, it says, and with God, there is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Eugene Peterson says, we are persuaded that God's way with us is redemption and that redemption, not suffering, is ultimate. And so, everybody look up on the screen with this last statement again. Turn your how long into a longing for how long. 